0: Laodicea is located about a mile south of the Lycus River, in the Lycus Valley region of present-day Turkey. We're about 10 miles northwest of Colosse and about five miles south of Hierapolis, the other two cities in this famous triangle of ancient wealth. Laodicea was annexed by Rome in 133 BC And because of its location on the main trade route of Asia Minor, it became one of the richest cities in the area. Because of its banking, agriculture, its marble trade, its black wool industry, and its innovative medical school, Laodicea became one of the most important and prominent cities in the area at the time that John wrote Revelation. Laodicea is three square miles of magnificent buildings and shining marble. But it's the unique features of the city The water system, the textile houses, and the medical school that get alluded to in John's letter. Now, the water system here was a marvel of engineering, piping in water from springs nearly five miles away. But the biblical insight comes when you contrast the water here at Laodicea with the hot springs of nearby Hierapolis and the cold mountain water of nearby Colossae. By the time the water reached here in Laodicea with its aqueduct system, the water was lukewarm and filled with mineral deposits, which probably made it unpleasant to drink. To the church here, John delivered the following warning from Jesus. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Revelation 3, 17 and 18. The medical school at Laodicea was famous throughout the Roman world and was known for ophthalmology, including an eye salve or ointment that has been mentioned by multiple ancient sources. John even used the original Greek word for this eye medicine. The people of Laodicea were called lukewarm and later wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They were advised to buy gold to become rich, white garments to clothe themselves, and eye salve to anoint their eyes. As such, the letter to the Laodiceans pointed to things that Laodicea was famous for in the ancient world in order to deliver a deeper spiritual message.
1: We're on the last church, and I thought it'd be helpful for y'all to see. Isn't it neat to see the city? That's, that's what it was. Uh, that was Laodicea. And I don't know if y'all could tell from the marble columns. Could you tell the grandeur of that town? In fact, it was one of the wealthiest towns. It's really the wealthiest of all seven of these cities we've looked at so far. In fact, uh, if you remember, one of the towns got leveled by an earthquake, and they renamed the town neo-caesarea because rome came to the rescue to give them money to rebuild it well this town laodicea was leveled by a similar earthquake and they told rome we don't need your money we got this covered that's how wealthy they are they turned down all the help from rome and if there was any particular letter you you can look at all these and see lessons for us haven't you been able to see in each of these seven churches how it applies to us and how we can learn from each of these. But boy, if there was ever one to say, this is the one that we really need to think about as American Christians, I think this is it. Laodicea was a wealthy city, a city full of folks that had plenty of money, plenty of nice clothes, And they were well known for this medical advance of this sad you could put on your eyes. It It was their claim to fame. Maybe that's one of the ways that they became so wealthy. And it's interesting that we as human beings, it seems to me that when we think we have everything we need, that's when we are in the greatest danger of spiritual bankruptcy. Did you follow me on that? When we think we've got everything covered, when we are comfortable with all the things that we have, then we really risk something. We really risk our spiritual welfare. It just seems to be part of our nature. The more we have, that's why the gospel is received so much more readily in third world and poor societies. Isn't that interesting? That you could go into a wealthy neighborhood or into a wealthy mission work, And have far less receptivity to the gospel than you would find in a poor, impoverished country. Because the more stuff we get, the more in danger we become of becoming spiritually bankrupt. And this is the message of the Church of Laodicea. I long looked forward to preaching this letter, and I thought I knew what the message was of this letter. And I think sometimes we jump to conclusions based on a single verse. The verse of the water. Did you hear what he said about the water? There was two towns nearby. One, uh, Colossae, had mountain snow springs coming down, cold water. The other one was famous for its hot springs. But Laodicea didn't have water right there they had to basically pipe it in over an aqueduct over a long period of time And by the time it got to town it was lukewarm and I hear that that verse that you're neither hot nor cold and I'll spit so I'll spit you out and I thought well that means that you know if we're not passionate about the Lord if we lose that passion and become lukewarm in our our sense of faith and we're in deep trouble but I learned much more after reading this letter it means a little bit more than that it means something more uh, deeper than that so let's look at the text together revelation chapter 3 verse 14 and to the angel of the church in laodicea write, the words of the amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of god's creation what does it mean the words of the amen amen comes from this greek word which means the truth you remember jesus says i am the way the what the truth, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So when he calls himself the Amen, you know, whenever we say Amen, it means truth, agree, you know, that's right. Uh, You'll see other words in Scripture. Verily, verily, I say unto you in the old translations, that means Amen, Amen, I say to you. Or the truth, this is the truth, what you're about to hear. Jesus speaks the truth. In fact, he is the truth. And if we we get caught up in the Laodicea trap, it's much more than losing our passion for life. It's much more than just losing our fire, although we would advocate. We need to be passionate for Christ. We need that energy. But something deeper is happening here. They're losing sight of who Jesus is and what that's all about for them. And I would argue that whenever we go down the same road and we start to think we're so wealthy and strive after things of this world maybe we're forgetting the truth the faithful and true witness the beginning of god's creation you know jesus is the firstborn of creation he create. in fact he was the one who created everything that we see he is the beginning of it all in the beginning god created through the hands of jesus christ And it's amazing this trap we fall into. Paul talks about it in Romans, and he says, People in our society, and he's speaking about the the Roman society back then, have begun to worship the creature rather than the creator. In other words, valuing everything we see and the wealth in front of us and the idols in their case over the Amen, the one who actually created it all. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The idea here of spitting out the water is the same as the idea of vomiting something out because he just can't stand it. I just can't stand it. It makes me sick. Because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. He is spitting them out because they are lukewarm. But what does it mean to be lukewarm? Well, whenever you have a question, what does that mean? The best thing to do is keep reading in the text, and it's going to give you what it means. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. This zooms in on the problem. They think they are rich, but they are what? Poor, okay? They think that they are able to see, but they are. And this commu- this is the same idea Jesus used when he's talking to the Pharisees. I don't know if you remember all this. When he goes in there and says, If you couldn't, if you could, it, blah, excuse me. If you were blind, you would be forgiven. But because you say, We see, your sin remains. This is in the Gospels. Jesus is teaching this point that is being echoed right here. When we think we see it all, when we think we have it all together, when we have no need for the Savior, that's when we really ought to be pitied. Because that's the, that's the situation we're in uh, uh, that's wretched, that's pitiable, that's poor, that's blind, that's naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined by fire, so that you may be rich. And white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may not, excuse me, so that you may see. Now Jesus is going at them and looking at each thing they're putting their trust in and saying, Wait a second, you need to be instead doing this, instead of that thing that you think is so important and valuable. In a city consumed by their own will, it obviously seeped into the church. I heard some preachers say, there may not be a saved person in this church. I don't know, I can't go that far. But, I, but we can see this is the one letter where Jesus says nothing positive about this, this church. There's not any... Any part of this letter says, hey, you're doing this, but here's what I have against you. This, Jesus says, you are wretched, poor, and I spit you out of my mouth. That's not just a passion problem on their part. That's not about needing more fire in their gut for the Lord. We need fire in our gut for the Lord, don't get me wrong, but there's something else going on here. They are putting stock in gold, the kind of gold that you carry around in your pocket and that you're able to buy stuff with. They are putting their faith in money. They are proud of the garments that they wear. And they are known and reputable because of this salve that they make for people's eyes. And I hear and see in this passage the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life being lived out here in this church in Laodicea. So Jesus flips the script on them, kind of like in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you thought this, but I say unto you. He's saying, look, buy gold from me that's refined by fire. What is the gold that's refined by fire? Faith in Jesus Christ is the gold that we need to invest in. In a world shaken by the future, in a nation that's being torn apart at the seams... And a stock market that goes like this. What are you investing in today? Remember, some things you invest in are not going to lead to the return of investment that you might be hoping for. You may get more money in the short term, but Jesus is saying here, there is a gold you can buy that's refined by fire. You can invest in your relationship with me and it will have eternal dividends. And then you'll be rich. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up yourselves, store up for yourselves treasure in what? Heaven, where moth and rust does not destroy. This is the kind of richness that we need, folks. This is where wealth is. It's not in stuff we can buy or build or look at or own. You'll never be satisfied there. And in fact, you may get lost in a maze of seeking those carnal delights. And Jesus comes along and says, look, I don't even know you. You don't even have, you don't even have any hot or cold. I'm just, it's just lukewarm. And then he says, buy white garments from me so that you can clothe your, yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be seen the the white clothes what does that communicate to you what do you think of when you see white clothes when you hear white clothes purity huh unblemished Unblemished, righteousness okay holiness jesus offers us these clothes clothes that we wear and we have nothing to fear nothing to be ashamed of no more guilt no more shame and we often turn down His clothes and seek out clothes that are beautiful by the world's standards. I'm speaking figuratively here. And we wear clothes to try to please the world, and Jesus is offering us clothes that make us blameless in His sight. Are we seeking those clothes from Him? How strongly and... and uh, how, uh, how high do we prioritize salvation and righteousness in our lives and in our family's lives? You know, the thing that I pray about more than anything, and I'm sorry to embarrass her, but is that my daughter will continue to trust the Lord Jesus Christ and wear his salvation like the white clothes that he's that he's promised us. That should, That's the most important thing to me. and that the most important thing in our life? And yet the world gives us this delusional sense and idea that there are somehow other things more important than that. Jesus says, buy white garments from me so that you can clothe yourself and the shame of your neck and this won't be seen. And salve. I didn't really know what salve was uh, until I studied this out. Do you all have salve at... At the house, and now I, I realize it's, oh, that's Carmex. <laughs> that's what that is. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, Vicks. My grandma knows about the Vicks vapor rub. That's for sure. And they have got all their their resources tied up in the production of this salve. That's going to bring vision. And Jesus says, "Look, use salve to anoint your eyes so that you will actually see. This is the truth." The presence of the truth in the lives of these folks. This Jesus is saying, if you will open your eyes so that you can see. Oh, how I wish I could see. Some days uh, my vision can be clouded through my own stress or troubles of the world. And I want Jesus to open my eyes to what he knows so that I can grow. So that I can see the world as he sees it. Those whom I love... I reprove and discipline. Verse 19. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The Lord Jesus Christ's invitation never ends. Isn't that incredible and amazing? That this Lord, even though these folks have basically turned their back on Him and put all their stock and all their faith in the world and in the things of the world, He is still right there. Knocking at the door, wanting to be let in so that he can dine with them. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on the throne as I conquered and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are we rich this morning? I want us to think about this for a second. Are we wealthy like the Laodiceans? Not only wealthy in the amount of resources we have and the stuff that we have, but but in the attitude of the Laodiceans as well. To think, we have what we need, and my welfare is based on things that I can go out and seek here in this world. Are we rich like they're rich? Or are we rich in the way that Jesus wants us to be rich? Because this is the challenge for us as human beings, especially in a society like this that is so very wealthy. Y'all know we're wealthy, right? Even the poorest of us on a global scale is the top 2% of wealth in the world. And we have this challenge in a wealthy society, and I think it's true in any society, but whenever things start to get comfortable, that's when we're challenged by this. That's why Paul says in First Timothy, verse 6, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, O man of God, flee from this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness." It's spelled out right there, the temptation to us. Love is not the root of all evil. I mean, excuse me. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's what it says there. And you go back to the Deuteronomy passage back in that Jacob read for us. Great job reading, by the way. When the Lord God brings you into this promised land, the land they've been waiting for, they've been wandering in the desert, desert, in the wilderness. It's been tough. It hadn't been easy. When the Lord brings you into the land promised to you, and the houses are already there. They're nice houses. They've got all kinds of good things that you didn't work for. Wells were already dug. You didn't even have to dig the wells. Vineyards are growing and you didn't even plant them. And you're going to eat. You're going to get full. You're going to be satisfied. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. How easy it is to forget the Lord, especially when we're rich. And so, this is the challenge we have before us today to take heed to the message to the Laodiceans, recognizing we cannot put stock in the things of this world, in the money that we need, in the clothes that we need, in the vapor rub <laughs> that we need. No, I mean, we live, we live responsibly, productively, and we work. But we never place these things of, at a higher level of priority and of preeminence than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And whenever they begin to capture our attention in ways stronger than the relationship we have with the Lord captures our attention, we need to wake up and we need to take heed to the warning to this church in Laodicea. And look at the solution Jesus offers them, and that's the solution we need for ourselves if we're struggling with this. Number one, buy gold from Him. Invest in your faith life. How much time are you spending in the Word and in discussions about your Lord and in building that relationship? And number two, pursue the white garments, buy those from him. Pursue a righteousness in your life. Enough with this thought and this idea that we're just sinners, not good enough to grow. No one is saying we need to be self-righteous and holier than thou, not by any means. But to pursue a life of righteousness is what we're called to. Amen. We got to pursue, thank you. We've got to pursue that life together and not be ashamed to pursue it, to be proud that we're trying to pursue righteousness, even if the world laughs at us for that. And then number three, to embrace the truth of Jesus Christ and ask him to open our eyes so that we can see the world as he sees it. When we see the world as he sees it, we might be surprised at how our values are just a little bit different. And a simple prayer we can pray this morning to help us along this journey is to say to the Lord Jesus, I need you we need you. We need you desperately, because that's the trap that they fell into. They started thinking, because they had money, they had wealth, they started thinking they didn't need Jesus. And that's the beginning of the end, really. And so we're going to close with the invitation song, I Need You Every Hour. I Need Thee Every Hour. And I want to invite you to come pray with me
0: if you need to place Jesus in a higher position in your life.